Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. But Moon Knight isn't a serious comic. It's supposed to be funny. Might be funny. It doesn't look very funny. What's a Moon Knight? Surprise! Wow! This is nice. Guys like it? So I wanted to transform the space for today's episode. Really get us into the spirit. Really? Who are you doing the episode about? Oh, he's this super badass spy during World War II. He was a double agent who saves a bunch of lives, fucks up a bunch of Nazis. That's why I got the chairs and the martinis. Is is this invisible ink? Yeah, yeah, it is. I had it custom made so we could write our notes in it, just like in the story. Nice. I gotta tell you, that's great, man. Yeah, I'm super into this. This is awesome. What was the guy's name? Oh, it's uh, Juan Pujol Garcia. (laughs) 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 His name is Pujol. It's Pujol, and he's yes. actually a really impressive spy. I will get the farm machine. Okay. Oh, I'm going to go get yes. it. Yes. Get the, get the, get the good one. Get the good so one. Good. Okay. I usually we poop before I record, but I'm going to record it so we can just play that sound while he talks. <laughs> nice. Nice. That's that's nice. nice. So Doesn't funny. Oh, it's Pujol. Okay. Pujol. Poop. Welcome to Citation Needed, the podcast where we choose a subject, read a single article about it on Wikipedia, and pretend we're experts, because this is the internet, and that's how it works now. I'm Eli Bosnick, and I'll be running this mission, but I'll need some deep cover agents. First up, two men who are the Q of our little group, because they know how the tech works, and we don't listen to them. Noah and Cecil. <laughs> okay, right, for the record, if I'm the know how the tech works guy, all is lost. Sorry. <laughs> Q of our group means something so different now. Thank you. So yeah. I was Thank very you. confused by that. Yes. It took me a minute. <laughs> and also joining us tonight, two men willing to go deep undercover. If you're talking about pigs in a blanket, <laughs> Tom and he. You eat, you eat all right. Yeah, listen, when I eat, it's like watching the cookie monster, but with a lot more protein. <laughs> And lost fingers. Get out of the way. Well, that's where the protein comes from. You know what? There's not enough thick spies. You never hear <laughs> that, right? Here, here. Call me double X seven. Lizzo for the new On Her Majesty's Secret Craft Service, right? <laughs> <laughs> so tell us, Heath, what person, place, thing, concept, phenomenon, or event with a very funny name will we be talking okay, about today? Juan Pujol 
Pujol. Garcia. Pujol. <laughs> Garcia. All right. So who was Juan Pujol Garcia? Okay, just, it's <laughs> I know like Albert Pujols. It's the, the, I'm quite certain it's pronounced Pujol. Anyway, he's from Spain. <laughs> he's my favorite spy of all time. He was a double agent for both the UK and Nazi Germany with his true allegiance to the Allies. And he managed to fool the entire Nazi intelligence community for years. He spied the shit out of the Nazis so fucking hard. It's the <laughs> best. By the end of the war, he'd tricked them into wasting a giant amount of money, time, and resources, including a bunch of their lives, that life resource. <laughs> he helped kill a bunch of Nazis. And he did it with an escalating series of very elaborate Pretty obvious, but they they didn't know it. Lies. He lied to the Nazis and killed them. He's my entire vision board. He's awesome. <laughs> Which is why, as of today, he's officially changing his pseudonym to Heath Rectum and Rectum. Everyone uses that. Rectum. 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 Swiss. Fooling the entire Nazi intelligence community sounds impressive at first, but you have to remember that the Nazis spent a huge amount of time and resources trying to locate enemy ships at sea by waving a pendulum over <laughs> yes! ocean maps like yes! they were dowsing for battleships. <laughs> That's the thing they did. That's, That's yeah. real. Have we checked E3? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, the CIA has done some pretty stupid yeah. fucking stuff too. Yeah. And uh, they had a bunch of Nazis. It tracks. So <laughs> the story of the greatest spy of all time starts in Spain with some liberal atheism, actually. Juan Pujol Garcia was born in hey, Barcelona hey. to a Catholic mom and a dad who, quote, fucking hated all that stupid God shit. Really? Um, that, well, that was actually my paraphrase of a biographer. Okay. Um, described his father as Do we paraphrase with quote and now? liberal <laughs> in his political beliefs was the actual quote. But yeah, pretty much what I said. <laughs> and much like you'd expect from someone who becomes a master spy, young Juan did not enjoy the typical school environment. He attended a Catholic boarding school for a while, but it wasn't going great. So at age 13, he transferred to a different school that was run by his dad's poker buddy, apparently. But after a few more years, he dropped out and decided to pursue something that he was passionate about. Turns out that was animal husbandry. Huh. Okay. Not my thing, but I'm I'm glad he brought passion to it. I guess that's <laughs> animal husbandry. If that degree didn't do much for him abroad, at least he could fall back on coming to the States and being our secretary of energy. <laughs> <laughs> if no, he could I, remember but, it. I, I get it. Though. <laughs> But I, no, I get it. I, I I feel like I'd also rather jerk off a horse than go to Catholic school. If those were the two choices, <laughs> absolutely. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, lots of animal come, yada yada yada. We're gonna fast forward to 1931 when King Alfonso the Thirteenth was deposed and the Second Spanish Republic was established. Pujol was 19 at this point, which meant he had to do at least six months of military service. So he enlisted, but he knew from the start that was. Not going to work out with the military. He hated riding horses, and he described himself as, this is a real quote, lacking the essential qualities of loyalty, generosity, and honor. <laughs> so after the minimum term of six months, he immediately went back to animal husbandry, which he loved. Right. No, he didn't like riding horses, but he liked riding and he liked horses. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is good to be back under the saddle, my friends. <laughs> yeah. So he's, he's living his best life, animal come. 
1936, the Spanish Civil War began and Pujol got torn away from Pujol. the animal fuck stuff again. And even worse, his sister and his mother got arrested by the existing government for being counter revolutionaries. And uh, no, those words do not make sense. Apparently, the government was still referring to themselves as revolutionaries from five years ago, even though a new revolution against their revolutionary government was happening right now. I get it. It's like when Dave Rubin was calling himself a liberal. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, here's a quick background on the Spanish Civil War for context. Ooh, the- context. We hate context. <laughs> 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 So the existing <laughs> government of 1936 was called the Republicans, but not like the American Nazi ones. The Republicans <laughs> of Spain were a left-leaning coalition of communists and anarcho-syndicalists, and they took over from the monarchy five years ago. But their government was super unstable at this point in 1936. I, I can't imagine why it was unstable. And <laughs> the new revolutionaries were the Nationalists, a conservative coalition led by Francisco Franco. The Nationalist forces ended up winning, and that's how Franco became the horrible fascist military dictator of Spain from 1939 until his death in 1975. So Franco, he's definitely the main bad guy in this whole thing, the Spanish Civil War, but everyone kind of sucked. The monarchy was shitty, and then the anarcho-communists were shitty, and then the nationalists were super shitty. Everyone lost the Spanish Civil War except for Franco and a few fascist buddies. I mean, looking at the great prize that is Alabama, I'm I'm fairly convinced that no one really wins any civil war. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, I honestly don't think it's fair to blame the anarcho-communists for how they ran Spain. I mean, they didn't have Twitter yet, and that's where they thrive. That's really that's where they do their best work. So, so the Spanish Civil War was a major factor in Pujol's philosophical development that led to becoming a spy. He ended up hating pretty much everyone involved, and and that makes me very happy. Misanthropy is like my emotional wheelhouse as well, just like this guy. I like that. You hug waiters. So, I, I like them, the ones I hug anyway. Okay, so right when the war breaks out, the Republican government calls him back into military service. But these are the same people who arrested his family for a badly worded thought crime that they thought they did. So he refused to join back up and he hid from the authorities. But eventually he got found in a raid and he got thrown in jail for being a draft dodger. But then he got broken out of jail by a resistance group of new, new revolutionaries called Socorro Blanco. Now, if you don't speak Spanish, that means... White help, which is <laughs> great. It's a fascist white help group, but they white helped him produce fake identity papers that said he was too old for military service. So he liked them for the moment. Uh, fun fact, the white help, also the title of my ill-fated one-man show. <laughs> really did not go over tracks. So did all the parts of jail and cleared from his military requirement. So once again, he goes back to animal fuck stuff mostly chickens. He starts managing a poultry farm that was being run by the anarcho-communist government. But it's not economically viable for some reason. I can't imagine why, but it's not economically viable here. This is when he deals with a bunch of rule-by-committee stuff because he's dealing with that communist government, and it makes him really hate communism. So he decides to rejoin the Republican army, 
but with a plan to desert them as soon as possible. <laughs> what? It's <laughs> a weird thing. I'm definitely right? going to get it's, this it's job so I can quit. Weird, it seems like you could just desert what? without rejoining the army. You could it's, just go be like, I want to be on the other team now. But he rejoins and deserts during a battle in 1938 <sighs> and joins the nationalist side. But they're horrible too. They're even worse. So he finally gets a discharge from the nationalist <laughs> army in 1940. What? And now he viscerally hates both communism and fascism that he's dealt with here. And Which is weird because 19- they're the same thing. Just ask, I mean, just ask anyone. <laughs> yeah, those words are synonyms. That's true. Same There's re- no, no <laughs> other nuance to that. It's not well, they don't have Twitter at this point. Though, so. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> so it's 1940, and that means if you hate communism and fascism, you hate the Soviet Union, and you hate Nazi Germany. And it, hopefully, especially the second one. And he does. He's a true hero, so he decides to just Become a spy here and fuck over the Nazis. This guy gets fake papers, keeps quitting every army. He's trying everything he can to get out of work except start a podcast. <laughs> I just think it's cool that we found the political affiliations of Gen Z and human form. That's cool. That's fun. <laughs> so I cannot describe how much I love anyone whose answer to Honestly, any problem is I become a spy now. He had a problem and he's like, oh, I'll become a spy. I'll fix this with spy. I truly love this guy. So now it's January of 1941 and Pujol is in this weird moment in his life. Like he's decided to, to become a spy, but how, how do you do that? How do you become a spy in 1941? You can't just like Google it and... Even if there was Google, that would be a bad idea to use Google to be like, how do I become a spy now? So he just shows up at the British embassy in Madrid and he says, I want to be a spy now. And some British diplomat guy is like, um, n- no, I-, I honestly don't know how you become a spy exactly. But it's not this. You don't just ask me okay, showing first, up here. First rule, stop announcing things. That's rule one. There, there you go. Yeah, I mean, if there was ever a rule for spy club, it has to be yeah. that. That yeah. has not to be, be the talking rule. about this. Yeah. yeah. So Pujol goes back home from the embassy and he works on a new plan. He's going to become a German spy instead. And then it'll be super easy to get hired by the British to be a double agent. So he calls up the regional manager of the Nazi spy agency in Madrid <laughs> and he says, I want to be a spy now. I'm super <laughs> duper Nazi. I'm from Spain. You're Jewish people. Gross, right? Yeah, totally. You should hire me. And it works. He created a whole backstory for himself as a Nazi fanatic in the Spanish government, which was almost redundant at this point. So story checks out. And Pujol ended up in contact with an agent who went by the code name Frederico in the Nazi spy agency called Abwehr. Pujol explained that he could easily travel to the UK and be a spy if Frederico and Abwehr wanted him to. And the stupid fucking Nazi was like, yeah, that's perfect. Good, good. So the Abwehr gave him a bottle of invisible ink. Awesome. A code book. Amazing. A bunch of folding money for spy stuff. And <laughs> a really quick crash course on spying. And they were like, yeah, you're a spy. All right, Abwehr, before you go, rule number one. Uh, stop announcing things. Oh, wow. This guy is good. (laughs) Yeah. I just, I fucking hope they had orientation videos. Like when you start a new job at Wendy's, you know, (laughs) like some smiling Nazi, like turns to face the camera, looking just a little surprised. Like, 
Oh, hello, and welcome to Spying for the Nazis. <laughs> Thank you, Tucker Carlson. <laughs> <laughs> so at this point, Pujol is codename Alaric in the Nazi spy agency. He's got a bunch of their money and a bunch of their coding stuff and invisible ink. And his assignment is to move to London and put together a team of British people willing to spy on their home country. So Pujol moves to Lisbon, Portugal, because he fucking feels like it. <laughs> and now he's supposed to start reporting intel about the British to his handlers at the Obware. So he gets a tourist guide to the UK. <laughs> he checks out a few books and magazines about England from what? the library yes. in Portugal. Oh, he doesn't even yes. buy them. He just no, checks, he checks them out for free and he holds on to the fold money. He also goes to the movies a few times and they sure. have like newsreels about England before the feature. So based on all that Amazing. stuff, he just sends little details to the Nazis. <laughs> they love it. They're psyched about well, their what new was he spy. Reporting he knows every time about England. It's it's not clear that anybody involved knows what spying is at this point. <laughs> They're all just nodding along, like yeah, yeah, it's great. It's, it My sure. the report from the new spy says that there's this little bistro right in the heart of Soho that's four and a half stars. <laughs> uh, excellent work, Air Trip Advisor. <laughs> He's like if this show was a spa. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And that's how spying works now. Yeah. So, oh, so good. <laughs> apparently this worked for a fucking, for a while. Like this was very successful. Oh my God. just hung out in Portugal, occasionally sending the Nazis a few fun <laughs> facts from a British almanac along with a bill for his operating costs. <laughs> this led to, to one of the few times that Pujol slipped up a little bit. He was submitting travel expenses for taking trains all around the UK, and he was using a British railway guide to get the prices to send them. But the British pound was divided into 20 shillings at this point, and each shilling was divided into 12 pence Fucking. because fuck you. Exactly. And Pujol had no idea what the guidebook was saying and definitely no idea that he was supposed to add pounds plus 20ths plus 240ths to figure out the map. So he just claimed that, like, uh, money's weird here. I don't really get it. I'll figure it out later. And bill you in something with uh, hopefully base 10. I don't know. I'll figure it out. Seems like, you know, that might be a tip off. Maybe your spy isn't so bright or isn't even in the country he's supposed to be spying on. But Nazis are stupid, shitty people. So they didn't notice that anything might be wrong. And they went back to like divining stuff over their maps. So yeah, it says here on his expense report, quote, a bit of a case of the collywobbles mate, but seems you jolly well owe me two quid five and will be right as rain. Bob's your uncle will have the Brits gobsmacked before you know it and never a damp squib for Germany. He is so good. The whole thing is in code. <laughs> <Nazi's fine laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. But like, I mean, didn't, didn't the Nazis notice they weren't mailing his checks to England, though? I feel like they would have noticed that. <laughs> Do you have direct deposit yet? Is that? <laughs> so Send it to my buddy in Libsyn. He'll, he'll pass it uh, along. <laughs> so in fairness to the Nazis. Okay. Uh, I know it's a weird way to start a sentence. I, yeah. I heard it. I heard yep. it. Let me get yep. there. Yep. In fairness to the Nazis. So let me finish. Okay. British intelligence got fooled by Pujol, too. Not as badly, but they got fooled, too. 
the British counterintelligence team within MI5 at the time was able to intercept a bunch of Pujol's communications. And apparently they checked those fun facts he was sending against an almanac and everything was eerily accurate. So (laughs) MI5 launched a full scale internal mole hunt that cost them way too much time and effort. So just to be clear about the situation, the Obware is all pumped about their amazing spy. MI5 is having a full meltdown about a leak within their system. And Pujol is just living at a fancy hotel in Lisbon, Portugal, <laughs> going to the movies every afternoon, <laughs> paid for by the Nazis. All right. Well, if I'm not mistaken, Double O Buttcrack is about to okay. fundraise a wall from <laughs> the Nazis that the England will joke. pay for. So the whole episode, Heath. The whole episode. So let's take a quick break for a little apropos of nothing. Agent Stinkbottom. Uh, it's Pujol, sir. Right. We have some questions about your latest assignment. Absolutely, Nazi boss. What seems to be the problem? Right. So we asked you to gather intel on the royal palace and where we might assassinate the queen. And you appear to have uh, taken the guided tour. Yeah. Yeah. I scoped out the place without being suspicious. Well, I suppose so. But, well... How about this mission to scope out the bombing targets of London? It says here you rode the London Eye four times. To scope out those targets. I got a really, really good view. It's like way up there. Very well. But this last one. Super fun ice cream party with all my new British friends. I mean, that's obviously... Uh, You know who I invited to that party? Who? Winston Churchill. Did Winston Churchill come to your party? Close. Very close. Well, then, have another ice cream party night, right? Fingers crossed. Right away. Yeah, absolutely. And we're back. When we left off, Farty Poop Pants was the greatest (laughs) spy ever. Heath! When do we learn about his sidekick, Queef Nipperlings? Queef Nipperlings is so good. (laughs) So now it's 1942, and Pujol's been doing this for over a year. He decides to try again with the British now and see if they'll hire him. This time, he gets in touch with an American Navy officer in Lisbon who sets up a meeting with someone at MI5. And the British are already aware that someone was feeding the Germans really bad information and had the German Navy trying to hunt down a non-existent convoy of British ships for a while. And that was Pujol. Apparently Pujol just kept sending the Abware new messages that were like, yeah, you must have like just missed him that time. My guy says he saw you show up like five minutes too late. Just so just keep sailing. I don't know, somewhere. You got this. It's like you're minutes behind. And it worked. So Pujol told MI5 about his whole racket, and they obviously loved it. He became an official double agent here, and based on his amazing ability to just make shit up, MI5 decided his code name should be based on the best actor in the world. And I guess that was Greta Garbo at the moment, so he became Agent Garbo for MI5. Damn right it was. Okay, you have 100% convinced me, Heath. I fucking love this guy. the best, right? I mean, in the middle of an existential war to decide if the world would fall into the hands of occultist, genocidal anti-Semites, 
someone was finally brave enough to ask the hard questions like, can I possibly get a second paycheck out of this? Ever justifies the means, Tom. Everybody knows that. Tight's always true. Machiavelli, when related to the Nazi, it's always correct. Uh. And this is when Pujol really ramped up the fake intel. Over the next year, he wrote 315 letters to his German handlers, averaging about 2,000 words each, full of mostly true but mostly not useful intel from his completely made up network of spies. He's got a big network here that he's made up by now. The Germans were getting so much information, they completely stopped trying to recruit new spies in the UK for the rest of the entire world because he was crushing it. We are learning so many tips and tricks about public transportation in London. Let's, let's, let's just fire everyone but secret agent Rick Steves. So, so wait, wait, hold on a second. Near daily long-winded updates that were mostly true and mostly useless. Guys, I think my mom's texts are a super spy. (laughs) (laughs) So the key to maintaining this whole operation was making the Germans continue believing that Pujol's intel was valuable. And he pulled it off by sending them completely real and useful stuff, but having the message arrive just a tiny bit too late. One big example was in November of 1942, when the Allies conducted a big naval attack on Nazi-occupied areas in northern Africa. Pujol sent the Germans a report from his completely made-up agent, who they were also paying, that a big convoy (laughs) was leaving from Glasgow, and it was covered in Mediterranean camouflage. I I don't know exactly what that means, like paint that's the color of the water in the Mediterranean? Whatever. (laughs) A lot of hand gestures. It was painted in gesticulations. (laughs) So that report was sent via airmail, but British intelligence had it intentionally delayed just enough that it wouldn't really help. Pujol got a reply from his handlers after this saying, your report arrived a tiny bit too late, but it was magnificent. Um, also, it seems like they wouldn't do little replies like that. Like right. it's texting and you got to be nice. You have to say something next. That's weird. Yeah, guys, we have to work on something quicker for this critical intelligence, but still is good work. Let's not hold this against him at his review time. Yeah. Is every disgust doing the compliment sandwich? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So when you're running a scheme like this and you're claiming to have a giant network of spies keeping track of very specific locations all over the UK, you can run into trouble if something important happens in one of those spots that doesn't get mentioned in your reports. And he had to deal with that. For example, there was a major movement of the British Navy from Liverpool and the Germans were taken by surprise. They eventually found out that's what happened and they were mad about it. And Pujol was supposed to have a guy watching that port. So the Abwehr sent him a thing being like, where were you? You missed it. But Pujol explained that his, again, completely made up Liverpool guy called in sick <laughs> called that in morning sick to spying. that day <laughs> he had pink eye or whatever and to back up the story Pujol had the fake agent die of the thing he called in sick of the for pink guy. he died of the pink eye <laughs> and there was a local newspaper that printed a fake obituary about the pink no eye sh- death <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then he talked the Germans 
this is my favorite fucking part. After that, so they read the fake obituary and they're like, oh shit, yeah, pink eye, all right, all right. And then he <laughs> talked the Germans into paying a pension to the fake dead guy's widow. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Left behind 11 kids, really? Wow. <laughs> so many. You know, say what you want about the Nazis, but they had better benefits than Kellogg's. That's <laughs> <what I'm saying>. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> all right. What other big win for Pujol? I love this part, too. It happened when he talked the Germans into switching from an airmail system of communication to a radio system. He explained to his handlers, okay, you guys know uh, those letters that were just like a few minutes late every time, like a few times. It was, it was so useful if you got them a tiny bit earlier. Well, if you guys set me up with one of those Enigma machines, that'll stop being a problem and we will totally win this war. <laughs> oh, my God. And they did. They set him up with wow. an Enigma machine. Pujol would send a radio message to a Nazi in Madrid where it was decrypted and then re-encrypted with the Enigma and sent to Berlin. And <laughs> if you give Alan fucking Turing both sides of the encoding, he figures it out really quick. And you get to steal Nazi intel for a while until they switch that code again. Yeah, and Turing was like, oh, a challenge. Excellent. I like a real test. <laughs> Turing test. Classic. <laughs> Got it. Got it. So yes, great job by all the allied troops, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But it was Alan Turing and Juan Pujol Garcia who won that war. <laughs> That's who won the fucking war. And speaking of winning the war, that brings us to 1944 and the Normandy plan. This, uh, this is my favorite grand Pujol scam that he pulled off. He was a big part of Operation Fortitude, which was a deception campaign to conceal Operation Overlord, that was the real plan for the D-Day attack and the invasion of Nazi-occupied Western Europe. The Allies decided they could make Pujol seem super credible if he reported the real plan for D-Day to the Germans, but as usual, a tiny bit too late. And then Pujol would give some really bad information about what was going to happen next. And that all worked, like, really well. Uh, apparently, German intelligence still had not pieced together the slightly too late play, even though they had switched to radio by now. But here's the thing. The way it turned out, the timing didn't even really matter. It just worked out so lucky for Pujol. He told his German radio operators to be ready for an important message sometime during the night before D-Day. But when Pujol called at 3 a.m., nobody picked up and nobody replied. And the Germans didn't get back to him until 8 a.m. So during those five hours... He just kept adding more and more completely accurate details about the invasion that the Germans would not be able to use, but would <laughs> confirm how awesome he is as a Nazi. And then when they finally got back to him five hours later, he replied, this is another exact quote, I cannot accept excuses or negligence. Were it not for my ideals, I would abandon the work. <laughs> I said good day, sir. Good day. <laughs> well, hang on. This sort of implies that, like, the Nazis weren't running a night shift for their war. In their right. war, yeah. yeah. In their war. Yeah. Like, yeah. Weren't they yeah. Yeah. Five. all over the place? Yeah. Nobody stayed up? I just want to point out that part of Heath's self-described hero's journey involves the technique of pretending not to check his phone so he doesn't have to reply to work messages. <laughs> Next we're going to hear that, that Butthole tells the Nazis that it's important that he have his own space okay. and that's why it's they not... shouldn't move in together. It's actually... <laughs> <laughs> you made me into the Nazi with the phone and thing. You switch... It's, it's fine. 
It's fine. <laughs> I need my own space. So he makes now, you into a Nazi a lot, though. So you should be used to it. Right now. Be fair. So now Pujol is all the way locked in as the genius Nazi spy, who's so much better of a Nazi than the rest of German intelligence. And now he uses that to its full advantage. Three days after D-Day, he sends another message with fake intel this time about the next move by the Allies. This was all part of the Operation Fortitude deception plan to convince the Germans that a really big Allied force, including 150,000 troops, was waiting in southeast England, ready to make another big attack near Calais in France. Pujol explains in his fake intel how the Normandy invasion was really just a decoy, and the second attack is the crucial one. And he's the hero of the obware at this point, after being the only Nazi spy who stayed up all night and exposed D-Day. So his message goes straight to Adolf Hitler himself and the German high command. And they plan their entire strategy around it. Two days later, a message from Berlin to the top Nazi generals says, everything from codename Alaric has been confirmed without exception and should be described as especially valuable. (laughs) Nobody can predict the past like good old Alaric. (laughs) (laughs) Why, he knows so much about England, he could write an almanac. (laughs) (laughs) He handed me an envelope that said Lisbon, Portugal. That was the city I was thinking of. I don't know why he's doing this. Yeah, and after the war ended, We found German records confirming all this. They showed that 62 of Pujol's reports were included in the daily intel for German high command during Operation Fortitude in the spring of 1944. The Nazis were so goddamn certain that Pujol was trustworthy that they kept a giant force at Calais through August of that year waiting for that second attack that was never coming. If they actually had a spy on the ground in England, though, which they did not. They believed they had about 27. But if they actually had one, they might have noticed that the alleged Allied force there was using model airplanes and inflatable tanks. (laughs) And also, you know, people weren't there, certainly not 150,000. But they didn't notice that because Pujol was crushing it. So they were all flush on Nazi spies in the UK and they never tried to get any more. This guy's just walking around Portugal eating a Nazi funded ice cream cone with a little tank balloon in the other hand. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to need like non-de-non more of these. This is great. (laughs) By the end of the war, Pujol had a network of 27 completely made up agents plus widows and pensions all getting paid by Nazi Germany. Amazing. Amazing. (laughs) He fucked up their military with bad information. He helped hack the Enigma machine. He had a giant force of Germans just sitting there all summer in 1944 waiting for E-Day. And (laughs) he scammed them out of about $6.7 million in today's money. And he never got caught. I I absolutely love that he convinced them to pay pensions out to the widows. Like, did he appeal to their Nazi good nature to get that done? (laughs) (laughs) He did. So, Agent Garbo, he's a hero of the Allies, and Agent Alaric is a hero of the Nazis. And that's how Juan Pujol Garcia became the only person ever to become a member of the most excellent order of the British Empire and receive the Iron Cross from Nazi Germany. (laughs) He's the one great person on both sides. There was one. It was him. So, after the war, to make sure he wouldn't get killed by any lingering Nazis... 
MI5 helped him fake his death from malaria in Angola. And then he moved to Venezuela, which was full of lingering Nazis. So that was a a weird decision. So I'm thinking he was either a secret Nazi hunter in Venezuela, and we don't even know about that, or he actually preferred the Nazis just like for company, but hated them enough, you know, and and their thing a bit more, you know, than the good guys. So he did his spy thing against the Nazis. Either way, he killed Nazis and he took a bunch of their Nazi fucking money for spite and hatred and misanthropy. He's a goddamn hero. (laughs) I, <laughs> I was just picturing him conning all his former handlers on the shuffleboard court for old times sake. Yeah. <laughs> no, tomorrow he's taking me on a snipe hunt, you guys. It's going to be really cool. <laughs> and Heath, if you had to summarize what you've learned in one sentence, what would it be? As Machiavelli is always right. <laughs> Question mark. Interesting. All right, Dash, Heath, and Wright. And are you ready for the quiz? I don't think he's ready for the quiz. That last question stumped him. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I I have an easier one for you here, Heath. Um, In honor of Eli's super culturally sensitive obsession with this dude's name, uh, Mm -hmm. my question is, who is the second most famous spy with a butthole-based name? Fine, cool. We're going to keep going with this. Yep. Is it A, Jason Korn? (laughs) B, (laughs) Mata Harry? C, James Bend, or D, Maxwell Shart. Okay. <laughs> Maxwell Shart is very good. Okay, very I love good. Get Shart. So yeah, definitely okay, D. Okay, all right. It's, it was, it was <laughs> D. It was a building towards that one. All right, Heath. Nazi pensions remind me of what other unusual racist investment schemes? A, a 401 KKK. <laughs> B, Irish IRAs. <laughs> C. Bitcoin. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Tom, I feel like I, you you want me to say I'm going to say C. Bitcoin. It, uh, how did you guess? <laughs> oh, simpatico, man. I I okay. feel you right now. Heath, building off the Nazi funded ice cream cone. What's the best name for a Third Reich themed dessert slash bakery? <laughs> A. Speaking of what I said earlier about the co- ice cream cone, remember? <laughs> remember Nazi ice cream cones was, that? that was hilarious. broached. Super hilarious. Anyway, A. Blintzkrieg. C. <laughs> Holocaust. C. <laughs> Luftwaffe. Okay. D. Market with a Zyklon B. Oh, <laughs> All right. I'm, oh. I'm so torn. Holocaust and. Luftwaffe or C. Luftwaffe. It is. I'm sorry. It was Holocaust. Never has Admiral Carl Donuts felt more snubbed than he does right now. <laughs> That's right. All right. Well, Heath, you got it wrong. And that means, Cecil, you are this week's winner. Oh, let's get Tom to do something. Yay. No. Wait. What? You said my name. <laughs> I can't wait to hear who was exploring and how many people died. (laughs) All right. Well, for Cecil, Noah, Tom, and Heath, I'm Eli Bosnick. Thanking you for hanging out with us today. We'll be back next week, and by then, Tom will be an expert on something else. Between now and then, you can listen to our other shows by scrolling past Joel Osteen's second most popular podcast on the iTunes charts. And if you'd like to help keep this show going, you can make a per-episode donation at patreon.com slash citation pod, or leave us a five-star review 
everywhere you can. Maybe help us get our asses kicked by only one of Joel Osteen's podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> and if you'd like to get in touch with us, check out past episodes, connect with us on social media, or check the show notes. Be sure to check out citationpod.com. Will there be anything else, gentlemen? No, I, I think we're fine. Uh, we have a truly excellent chocolate souffle. Honestly, we better not. It's Ooh, just... I don't know. Seems like that souffle might have some important intel, boss. I'd hate to miss it. Okay. We, we'll try the souffle. Oh, I, I actually would like my own. I don't really want to... Two souffles, please. Very good, sir. <laughs>